Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. 99.1% Chuck Bailey. Yeah, uh, I'd like to change my name to Mr. Big Picture, please. Oh, oh boy, okay. Oh boy, no I would the not. The man with the plan over here, huh? Yeah, there's a plan. Uh, it's not very good. Well, it's a, it is a good plan uh, for a very small uh, minority. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, we are, as I'm sure some of you have already noticed, I'm gonna have to get the bleep machine out for that. Uh, flying without our super producer, Mr. Stimson, today. Um, so I will be on editing duty. So apologies in mm-hmm. advance for the no doubt lesser quality because I am not a super producer. Um. So, Chuck, we're on an international break. Do you want to talk oh. about the Nations League? Um, Germany got their first ever win in the competition three years in. Oh, yeah. Do you think I'd care even about that? Um, you think I'd maybe care about England beating Belgium? Um, don't. Whole thing dumb. Yeah, bad. We can uh, we can universally condemn condom uh, the decision to play these because it's just a petri dish of disaster. We already have like. Three guys from Liverpool, the entire Wolves squad is going to have to isolate after Ronaldo came down with his case, and they were all out to dinner the night before. Co-Ronaldo? Hey, there you hey. go. CR19? Yep, saw someone in the Patreon say CR19. Yeah, I know, I wasn't going to mention it, I was just going to steal the joke. Well, they're the ones that, like, support us, so... <laughs> We love our Patreons. Um, so we're not talking international, because that's bullshit, and it shouldn't have happened, and even if it was entertaining... We wouldn't know because nobody watches those matches. Who wants it? Why play international friendlies? Why put a friendly in there? Why? Why? What? Uh. Yeah, I mean, in the middle of a pandemic, you do want to get as many people from as far away as possible all concentrated together. Mix them bubbles like Michael Bublé, baby. Exactly. All right. But we will uh, talk about there are two, so, two pretty big stories that have happened in the Prem since the last time we recorded. So we'll kind of talk about that. And then we had planned on doing a deep-ish dive into some of the stats in this very early, very crazy season that we have had so far and see if there's sort of anything deeper to pick up from the numbers there. But let's start off talking about these uh, news stories. I won't call this rapid, rapid, rapid fire news because first of all, I don't have the jingle. Mm. And also, (laughs) uh, there's only two. Uh, So the first one, Premier League games not selected for broadcast in October will be available to fans on a pay-per-view Basis, the five fixtures per round not already picked to be shown live will be available on BT Sport Box or Sky Sports Box Office priced at £14.95 per match. Mm, yeah. How many games are you going to buy, Oscar? Oh, wait. You, you get to watch them anyway. Bastard. Well, yeah, but I have about 17 subscription services at this point because it just keeps getting split up and split up. <laughs> this is like <laughs> this your is equivalent of Peacock. I guess, right? Mm, yeah. Everyone's super mad about this. How are you feeling about this? Um, mixed. I feel mixed. Okay. Because here's the thing. I mean, should the greed, and obviously we'll get on to the next bit afterwards, like should, yeah. should the greed surprise you? No. Should the uh, viewed necessity to build up the revenue streams again for all the clubs surprise you? No. Is the price tag of £15 for one game, does it reek of a bunch of millionaires getting in a room and not knowing how much shit actually costs? Yes, (laughs) just a little bit. Um, Twice the monthly subscription for Netflix is for what you pay for one game. Now, on the other side, it is what people have been asking for in the past, in that you would never get to watch these games on TV anyway. So a lot of the reaction to it has been a bit like, oh, they're taking all the football off the telly and charging us. It's like, no, you do still get, especially over here, and I know it's hard for you and it's and it's really weird, especially for the American listeners, because they're just like, well, yeah, like I get it with some of my phone contracts and can watch every game and the three o'clock, so it doesn't exist. So it's it's hard to, to kind of make everyone understand like the two sides, but it's a bit like it doesn't surprise me at all. The price tag the price tag is hefty. Don't get me so wrong. So is that what you think everyone's pissed off about? If this was ten pounds, would this not even be a story? The Premier League clubs voted nineteen to one in favour of the move. Leicester were the only ones who voted against it, probably in a bit of PR on their part. Uh, no, that, that is full that is full spin. That is full like Leicester have a good name as as a community in a well run club anyway. But if you go round and know like 
that everyone is 100% going to vote for it. Like some voice their concerns, etc., etc., and then still voted for it anyway. But Leicester can just go, well, we know it's going to pass. We can just make ourselves look really good here and say no. And then our fans will be more likely to pay the £15 for the games that, you know, we aren't there. But... You wouldn't have got to see these games anyway. Yes, that's my point, right? Like these these weren't going to be on TV, right? So no. just No, they weren't. Just don't pay the 15 pounds exactly. and nothing changed in your life. So the argument that gets added in which is the well this will just lead to more pirating of games is complete bullshit because the same people will pirate the same games. I don't think like if if you're not going to pirate a free game you're not going to start pirating them because it's fifteen pounds, right? Like, like those those two things to me are like, like they there is no connection there. Do you think they had like away tickets in mind when they set it at fifteen pounds? I'm trying to make the equivalent to like Mulan, right? Mulan came out mm. and they were charging thirty bucks a pop to rent it on Disney Plus. I think it was twenty pounds here. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it was thirty bucks over here, mm-hmm. which is like. Obviously seems insanely high to rent something when you're used to going on Amazon, even if it's something that's not on Prime, you're like four ninety nine, three ninety nine, yeah. fine, pop it on. Great. So people saw thirty bucks at a movie and they balked at it, but it's like if you went out to the theater, just a couple, and getting like one drink and two tickets, you're already over that thirty bucks. So like if you think of it as a date night or as a like event that you would have been spending X amount for in the real world. And now it's coming to your house. Yeah. Like on an away ticket or even like a cheap home ticket is going to be way more than 15 pounds, especially if you're going for like an entire family. Yeah, but I don't think you can make the cinema comparison because like the directors of Mulan don't seek to pack the box for 90 minutes and nick a win at the end. You know what I mean? Like there's a <laughs> yeah. lot, there's a, there's, there's a ton of money that's gone into that in a different kind of way. And also it's a different experience and the fact that it is a family kind of thing and, and get together. You know, there's more of a guarantee. I know film films can be shit, right? But a film doesn't sure. necessarily actively go out and it doesn't necessarily make you angry for the day and piss you off. It's a completely different, different thing. Like, you can't complain... Like football is random. It's a random event. You don't know what you're going to get. Are you going to get a win? Are you going to get a loss? Uh, and so I don't think, and, and especially like the any any Aluko comments where it's just like, well, it's a great product. Like you should do that. Like people can't afford it. Like there are already subscriptions. You already have subscriptions and those kind of things. And I get it because it's a bit of a, it's a first world problem. Oh, I don't have the 15 pounds extra on top to spend on this game that I wouldn't have got to see. And that, but I just think the price tag's too high, and the fans that really get affected are would be the teams that are lower down because naturally the the higher you are in the table or higher you are historically, the more games you have broadcast on TV anyway. So it is kind right. of to help out the lower teams, which is why it's. Uh, I get it. I just think it's the price tag's too high. I think if you brought it, if you brought it, let's say if it came in at. Seven ninety five. Yeah, you'd probably get more than double the amount of people streaming it than you would if it was fourteen ninety five. Yeah, I think even at nine ninety nine, it's that mental sort of thing. When I was studying economics, when I was in grad school, there was a there's a sub a subfield of economics called behavioral economics mm-hmm. that just basically sets up like little experiments to see how psychology really affects your decisions in you know buying and consumer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, ma- it's huge huge money in it. Even just the layout of supermarkets based absolutely on, yes uh, to trap men in there for the longest, women in there for the longest, the way they design it, the ages of people, what they yep. have positioned where, like. And one really interesting study that they did that I remember reading was they set up these bottles of water, just like generic plastic bottles of water. And it was like they tried selling it at, you know, let's say $4 a case or whatever, and like mm-hmm. no one was buying it. And then there was another one that was also for $4, but the sign said $7 crossed out $4 on sale. And they they sold like twice as many water bottles from the fact that people thought they were getting a good deal. Yeah. Whereas otherwise, normally they weren't willing to spend the four bucks on the water. And I'm wondering like how they could apply. It just seems like it's more of a problem to me, at least it looks like with the price point and the like sheer nerve of them doing this in the middle Mm -hmm. of a pandemic than the thing itself. And I'm wondering like how they could have spun it to make it not so like just have everyone clutching their pearls and being like, oh my gosh, how could they? Yeah, no, there there shouldn't be... You can't be churlish in that way and pretend like it doesn't surprise you. But you can. I mean, uh, could they take a step down from here and say they'll lower the price? Possibly. 
Um, is it going to be like the discount water where they were always planning on doing it at 10 pounds and yeah, now they're just going to go down? I mean, it, it kind of links with what will be the second story. But, you know, you go in for a bid where, you know, when you go into a salary negotiation or if you go into a buying something, you start at the extreme where you, you, you know, wishful thinking. If the salary advertises for 30,000 and you say, pay me 40. You know, right. because what you yeah, actually exactly. what you actually could do is think, well, thirty four would actually be quite good. But let's see. You know, you, you never know. They might say yes, or the same. If you're buying something, you go in low, and you know, less less than you would pay anyway. That's bartering one hundred and one, baby. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they do that now. That the position would always be to go lower, but. I mean, if it is, if the money is going directly to the clubs, you could see, I can see both sides, but I just think what it ultimately boils down to is, like with anything to do with money, that there is no right that you own over it or God-given reason like you have to or you're entitled to it. Mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. think it's worth your money, pay it. If it's not, don't. Right, and that's kind of where I'm at, because like a month ago, everyone was just like, oh man, I wish I could watch these matches, they're not going to be on TV, but, so but annoying. But they were saying before, what if oh, what if the Premier League started their own thing where they just did a pay-per-game subscription thing? Oh look, they've done it, but people aren't happy with the price point. That's it, everyone's yeah. been asking for this. You would never get to watch these games anyway. They did it during lockdown, fine. To be honest, like the staggering of games back to back to back to back, like I don't enjoy it. I don't know whether it's a fantasy football thing. I don't know whether it's a, just an exhaustion thing. But even on my days off when I'm watching it, I'm like, it's too much. Like, the fact that there's nothing else you can change to at the same time. Like, if you've got a boring game, that's it. You're stuck. You're locked into yeah. that game. You're done. There's no goal rush. There's no nothing. Same thing here, though. Imagine paying £15 to watch West Brom Burnley next weekend. Like, yeah. Oof. no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but then you... You would think that like it should be West Brom and Burnley fans only that are buying that game. Correct. Like if you're yeah. if you're actively seeking out, I mean, there's usually. I mean, if they go back to the way it was, there's probably four, five games that aren't on TV on any given week. Right. And they're split between uh, BT and Sky anyway. They're more likely to be the bad ones. No one's going to sit there and pay seventy five quid a week to watch those shit games yeah. like no, one, no one is on top of this guy and whatever you think it's just a twitter thing or are people like are you hearing people talking about it actually in the real world over there or is, is this just a classic case of like five people on twitter making a big stink and everyone thinks it's a bigger deal than it is you mean like everything like everything yeah. <laughs> like like us we are that <laughs> We are sort of. that. Um, I think to an extent. I think it's it's more. Uh, everything's more vocal and more over the top on Twitter because more and more and more in any Twitter um, community. Yeah, there you go. Community. Yeah, yeah. Of course it is. There you go. Because they all look after each other, um, and that's kind of what it may feel like. Because if I talk to people in the street, or like if I talk to a guy at work about it we go have you seen this thing about football like they're charging 15 quid for games it's like yeah it's pretty mad isn't it you'd be like yeah that's quite a lot of money if it was less I'd probably pay it yeah maybe but there's still other games on TV yeah there is okay and then you just you just move on like it's not yeah just yeah exactly, uh, exactly. you know you, uh, you, you think football's about the 11 guys on the pitch but it's not and it's not at any level because that's that's the reason why you know as we'll you know you can move us on to whatever this is why these clubs are going out of business this is why uh, they're having to think about all these business decisions etc etc because it's not just about the the 11 guys that run around on the pitch as much as you have that dream and that child childhood um, ideology about how incredible it is and, and whatever like there's a fuckload that goes into it and it's just like any other business yeah all right well let's let's transition there so the next one then, um, I'm going to sort of lead into, obviously we're going to be talking about Project Big Picture, but I'm going to lead into it with the this specific story from the BBC. Uh, it says, some EFL clubs will disappear within five to six weeks unless they get financial support, says Nigel Travis, chairman of the League Two Leighton Orient team. Uh, along those same lines, we also saw, or we heard rather, I should say, uh, Dara McAnthony, our beloved uh, chairman of The Posh, say something along those same lines. He says that he would expect clubs to start going under by December, January, mm-hmm. if there's not a huge cash investment, basically like right the fuck right now. Yeah, and there, and there would be, and it's <sighs> so yeah. To take this point before we lead into um, the big picture stuff, it 
They they do because it's as I said, it's the exact same as anything in any part of any economy. Is that you know there are there are winners like these multi 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 billionaires, uh, and there are losers, which is people such as us, our level people that work, um, people that have jobs, people that don't know from one week to the next what's going to happen, what the new legislation is going to be. Wait, hold on. Are you telling me that capitalism does not have the best interest of the workers? At heart, is that what you're trying to tell me right now? Like the the like regular common people are the one. Is, isn't that who? Like capitalism is for us, right? My my takes are the hottest of the hot. That's all I've got to say. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, yeah. I don't think um, yeah, I don't think multi millionaires with billionaire parents necessarily understand what it's like. Um, to go out and buy a loaf of bread. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, all right. So that's sort of the EFL side of it, right? Yeah. So the EFL, the EFL does need a cash injection, and we and we should and we and we we should protect these things, like like with anything. And you know, people give to charity or, and uh, support food banks and uh, various other food companies have had like incentives, and I've seen quite clever things where it's like someone can buy a coffee or a meal for someone and write a note on a post-it and leave it on a wall somewhere. And if you're like struggling, you can pick off that post-it and then you can redeem it for a free meal and paying it forward and those kind of things. Yeah, yeah and I yeah. think we're seeing a lot more of that, a lot more of that, but. At the same time, to just ask for a load of cash, like, this is going to be horrible to say, but there is a good reason why there are a lot of EFL clubs or there are a lot of businesses that even pre-COVID were having big issues. And so to just give these people a load of cash is it's almost just booking in the problem further down the line or kicking the can down the road, as I've heard like a few people say. Absolutely. And Darren McAnthony was saying the same thing in his interview, Mm. that this isn't like a pandemic thing. This has been in the writing on the wall for a long time coming. And that this just sort of exacerbated everything. It's accelerated it for sure. Yeah, it's accelerated. They got a they basically like got a timeout on a bunch of bills that they had to pay back when everything went into lockdown. Now that the new season started, they're having to pay all of that out. And so they're burning through their cash reserves very quickly, given that they're not having any game day revenue and et cetera, et cetera. So like, this is very much a like, we had X amount set aside. It is enough mm. to cover operating costs until December or January, depending on the club. And then we are like fucking out of money. Mm. And like, that is it. Yeah. Well, the revenues, you know, it's, it's, it's exponential once you go from the lower leagues to Premier League. I think I heard something where League Two, a club's revenue, like, I don't think this was including player sales, but their overall revenue was probably about four million on average. League One is about six million on average, and then it starts to step up there because sure. the Premier League money from TV for relegated clubs comes in, and that really boosts. So the Championship, you've probably got the most disparity. Uh, in a way, percentage-wise, between top and bottom teams, which is why right. you can't. And that's just... part of what they're trying to address here because of the parachute payment. Yeah, exactly. And so they're, they're trying to look at it, but I, I just think that... I mean, you, you go on about the pyramid and uh, of whatever and saying get rid, and it's uh, it it hurts me because it's a bad take. Like, it's... It, for me, like... Because it's so ingrained in what we do that it would be the equivalent in... If you went to the American sports and said... Right, let's get rid of drafts. Uh, let's get rid of, uh, well, the idea of, but not necessarily the company, because I know there's a lot of evil things that go with like NCAA uh, things in terms of mm-hmm. stealing mm-hmm. people's image rights and basically you, you play for free because the university is going to cash in on you, etc. But it's effectively like if you went to the US sports and just went, we're getting rid of the NCAA system, we're getting rid of drafts, we're getting rid of D-leagues, we're getting rid of, uh, what is it in baseball, like AAA? Yeah, the minor leagues. And all of that, all of that just going that then it becomes, right, fuck, where do we get our players from? How do we train our players? How do we do anything? And and if anything, it just makes it collapse and it will start again. Um, I know uh, Berry, Berry recently restarted again as uh, and they've started right from the very, very bottom. A lot of people are still involved. I think they're now a club, uh, like a fan-owned kind of thing, started as AFC mm-hmm, Berry mm-hmm. again. And they, they will, I'm, sh- I'm sure, rise up and, and you'll start to notice a few things there, similar to what happened with Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon, after Milton Keynes. Boo, we don't like Milton Keynes. Um, Boo. Ian will like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it will just it will just disrupt things for a while in a way that will then shake its way up into the Premier League naturally. Yeah, 
I mean, look, my my views on the league are, are we've talked about it a bunch at this point. I ha- I don't begrudge English people having their thing. I, like I've said a few times, I li- I try to live by the philosophy of like, it ain't for you, bro. So like, just leave it alone. Some things are for you, some things are not. Right? This the lower leagues are not for me. Hmm. But from looking at it from the outside in, it seems. I don't know, disingenuous? No, that's not even the right word. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it seems off to me that all of these people will be like, save our lower league clubs, save the pyramid, save our clubs that aren't like particularly marketable products, if you think of it in that sense. Like no one's paying to watch Leighton Orient. People are paying to watch Man United. People are paying to watch even Palace, right, at the Premier League level. So it's like, come save us, but then someone comes in to save you guys and it's like, wait, no, but not like that. Like, save us better and it's like what well you any money's gonna have strings attached right like you're not just getting that money it's having the means and the infrastructure in place to make sure it's productive but in terms of saying it's not popular like if if you look down uh, through the levels like it, it is one of the most popular uh like we are lower tiers and stuff it's it's unrivaled across europe or even you know probably even the world so I've I've managed to find it's annoying because I can only find one web page here for this, but from okay. the t- from the two thousand seventeen eighteen season because we can't use last season for attendance numbers anyway. No, of course. So yeah, you're yeah, kind yeah. of going back to there anyway, but it's not going to change that much either. The Premier League average attendance was thirty eight thousand. Right now, that is a couple of teams went in. Teams like Bournemouth that have super low. I think they had 14,000 at capacity and stuff like that. So it kind of balances it to two extremes. The championship, so the second tier, 20,000. And then the third tier, League One, 8,000 people on average per season. So 38, 38, 28. Then you look at the French leagues. Well, it's 22, 6, and 1. Germany has higher at the top end, so it's 44,000. But then the second tier is less, it's 17, then 6. Uh, if you go to Spain, the top tier is was sorry twenty seven thousand. Then it goes to eight and a half, and then one and a half. And so these are the the big leagues of the big countries. But it just shows like where that there is a huge support. Like if you've got uh, if you've got on average on average you've got eight thousand people turning up to Peterborough each week, like League One. That's a that's a lot of fucking people. That is a lot of people, but I think as we move forward in the world, like, especially from the financial perspective, like, there's a reason that despite getting 8,000 people in League One, so many of these clubs have been struggling for a long time coming into this, right? Like, this is just the final straw. Actually, that's a, that's a good place to talk about some of the, we should start getting into some of the more specifics of this. Um, and you talked about revenue, you talked about it being like a cash injection now versus like a future sort of more stable, Earnings, and that is part of the facet of this plan. So I'm going to talk about the like financials of it and how it applies to the specific issue of like saving the lower league clubs, and then we'll come back and revisit like how it fucks over a lot of Premier League clubs. And then sort of- <laughs> it's this sort of the there's sort of one yeah we can go through all the good bits and see if you can spot the one uh, just a little bit that. That Man United and Liverpool might have just slipped in there. Just see, <laughs> see which one they might have just popped in there, popped in through the yeah. back door, just lubed it up, popped it in there. Well, at least they lubed up. Uh, so it would immediately present two hundred and fifty million pounds to the EFL, as well as a cumulative cumulative one hundred million to fund the FA for losses in the women's game, the national league, and in grassroots football. So that's a short term injection to resuscitate, you know, all those sort of lower levels. It also, though, introduces on a long-term basis a new way of sharing the Premier League revenue and especially like all the TV deals, the super, super lucrative TV deals Mm -hmm. that are what makes the Premier League like the richest club in the world, Mm -hmm. right? Like 14 of the richest 20 or whatever. Well, you know, the the thing that gets thrown around all the time, right? Yeah. So Premier League clubs currently receive 92% of the revenues and seven and a half goes down to the lower leagues. This would see that that percentage change from seven and a half to 25 Mm-hmm. So a quarter of the Premier League's money going to teams that are not in the Premier League. Um, per club, this comes out to every year, not just a one-time cash ejectment. This is the future revenue increase. Championship clubs would go up by $15.5 million per year in income. League One clubs would go up by $3.5 million. And League Two clubs, each per club would go up by $2.3 million per year. So if you're talking about a League One club having... Three or four million in a year. This almost doubles their earnings, their income. Yeah, you're getting 
It sounds like it's probably about a 50% yeah, increase. a huge, huge, huge increase. Long term, too. Like, that's not now. That's long term. Now, this obviously then goes hand in hand with the whole cutting the size of the league down from 20 yeah, to yeah. 80. Now, I'm willing to bet, and this is where you kind of, the information going with those numbers uh, kind of, it needs, it needs looking at because 250 million going into the leagues. Brilliant. Fantastic. So... On average, I think you for TV deals now from Sky, etc. I think the clubs get about 130, 140 million. That's mm-hmm. the deal. That sounds about right. Right. So if so, if you get rid of two teams, that money's probably not going to change um, as a as a share of the money. That's probably just going to be cut straight from the funding. So effectively, all you're doing is rather than giving the TV money, which is probably worth about let's say 280 million to those two teams amortized over four years because of parachute payments etc and you cut them straight from the league all of a sudden you've now got another 280 million so you're going 250 million of it already is well rather than giving it to these two teams we're now just getting rid of them and spreading it out so like it seems like a generous thing but the the revenue doesn't change overall from the league Arsenal can't even pay Gunnar Soros you think they're going to give millions of pounds to the lower league clubs like excuse me when you can pay Meza Ozil an 8 million pound loyalty bonus (laughs) loyalty (laughs) bonus you can afford to keep a fucking dancing dinosaur (laughs) yeah yeah but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, why are you saying that the clubs should just be giving out this 250 million out of their pocket? Like, of course, that money has to come from somewhere. I think it's it's them making it seem like, oh yeah, this is way generous. But what we're actually going to do to do it, we're just going to get rid of some teams. So that money would have gone out anyway. And obviously, yeah. then you can't. It's just a more direct, quantifiable way of saying it. But I think that that's it's kind of a misrepresentation of the numbers, shall we say? Because effectively if those teams did get relegated a lot of that money would go down into the leagues anyway you see what i mean because you right. have parachute payments so i think you get 60 it goes 60 then 30 then 15 then seven and yeah, a half but it, now it's not going to the three relegated clubs it's going to everybody shared like that's the difference right it's the same 250 million but the distribution of it is mm. completely different now which i think is of interest to like your peter bros your league ones your league twos who don't get those parachute payments don't see any of that cash now they get it now they they get millions per club. And that's, and that's, but it's then, how does that then get distributed? And yeah, of course, the grassroots football is simple. Give people equipment, give them training for coaching, give them a pitch, you, you know what I mean, and build up yeah, from yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Uh, into the women's game, but it'd probably be more about uh, exposure. And- yeah, and, and we should say that 10 million going to the women's game is a fucking joke, and they obviously should be getting way more than 10 million, like given the number of jerseys that they sell and people trying to watch these games like especially since the american women the, kind of went yeah over, i was gonna say they, there's been a huge interest in increase in interest tobin in heath and someone uh i can't remember the other that went to man united yep they sold out man united they were the top like, yeah they were the top two selling jerseys like more than any yeah. of the players or more than any more of than the men's male players. players yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely but meanwhile the women's game only gets 10 million pounds out of this so like Fuck that! That's garbage. But let's just kind of move yeah, on because no, that's like a whole separate thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's hard to say this because I don't, I don't disagree with it uh, at all. And, and they should get the money and, and get it. But it's just, it's just making sure then that it is right. Especially when you know Premier League clubs are claiming hardship and they spent a billion this window. You right, know, right, and right. that's well, a lot of that is Roman Abramovich. But well, yeah, indeed. But you know, that's that, and that's not even including wages. Like you say, like it, it misrepresents. If you put someone on, I don't know, let's say probably most of those Chelsea signings are probably on 150, 200K a week, or at least we could say they yeah. average about 200K. You know, times that by 50 weeks, that's 10 million times five players. There's an extra 50 billion on top that's never right, right, reported. Right, right. Yeah. Plus your bonuses, plus uh, whatever. It's a lot of fucking money. It's, 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 a it's disgusting a, amounts of money. It's a big chunk of change. And so yeah. when at the same time you're then furloughing and claiming these uh, payments and then, oh, mate. Yeah, not, yeah. not good things. Not good things. No. So that's sort of the financials of it. Let's talk about the structural changes then. One of the ones, is, as you mentioned, we sort of alluded to, there's going to be they're going to change the number of teams from the Premier League from 20 to 18. That, to me, no. is the place where a lot of clubs in the Prem are going to be really obviously against it, especially a club like your beloved Crystal Palace, who, if it's 17th and below who are getting relegated, they have a pretty good chance of staying up any given year, especially if they're having a good year. Mm. Um, 
if it's 16th place that might be going down so this is what I didn't get is how I hadn't seen anything on how they transition because surely it would then mean they'd need to either not have promotion in a season or what they did before is you relegate four and only promote two because how do you lose two you can't just get rid of two and not you know what I mean not yeah they could just have a big playoffs between like the bottom five of the prem and the top maybe Five of the But then it would be the bottom two get automatically relegated and then 16th place has a playoff with third, fourth and fifth from the championship. Yeah, which I love that. That's so interesting. It's the German model and 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 it's what they're doing. So it does lend itself, obviously, mostly the higher ranked team does win. Um, but there's obviously a huge thing about you know momentum and the positivity and negativity of of where those clubs are at. And yeah, and it's a one playoff game. Like anything can happen, you know. So that's that's all. That's exciting. I'm not against that. I'm not against that. Like if they brought it in now, the 18th place in the Premier League, like right, you have to do a playoff with third, fourth, fifth. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. But yeah, why do you need to cut? The, why do you need to cut it down? Like, and, and especially if the justification is potentially oh, so there's less games. And then I've also seen, obviously, like, getting rid of the Carabao Cup. Fine. Yeah. Fine. But then, obviously, that is something as well where the lower league clubs do already get revenue. So that that's obviously changing and, and manipulated into the other numbers. Um, and then getting rid of the Community Shield, which, yes, it's a glorified friendly, but that doesn't really cause fixture congestion. One game that features two teams. like Yeah. But... You know, you cut the Premier League then down to, uh, what would it be, 34, 30, yeah, 34 games you play. 34, is 17 times 2. Thank you. And then, so that's to help with fixture congestion, fine. I love that as a Chelsea fan. I fucking wish the League Cup didn't exist. Yeah. Fuck that thing. Yeah, but fuck- I want them to lose. When we played <laughs> Spurs, Jeff was like, oh, you lost to us. And I'm like, yeah, thank fucking God. I wanted to lose this match. Oh, hell yeah. I don't yeah, want yeah. to be in the League Cup. Like, no, fuck especially, that especially not this year where, like, you know, it's so much more truncated. But but there, it won't stop any of the clubs from going on, like, tours of the Far East or tours of America. or. Yeah, but that's them choosing into that now. Yeah, but you, see, you can't say, oh, well, we can't have uh, these games um, but we because, you know, we don't earn as much money and we'll, we, will, we do want to do these games that don't mean anything. Um, to to reach a broader audience and bring people, you know what I mean, like yeah. But then the club is making that decision. They're not being forced to play fixtures in the middle of a season when they're already like two. You know, if you have two important fixtures on either side of a league cup, like it's just a waste of time. You'd rather have those five days to prepare for the important fixture. Um, from the Palace side of it, no. is it the move to eighteen? That scares you the most? That makes you the most against this? You seem, like, very vehemently against this, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I just don't think... I just think, why? Why is why is the corrective thing giving less clubs opportunity to get into the higher money? Why is that the... Op- you know what I mean? Why is shutting the top tier, making it more exclusive more selective a good thing to me that's part of the fixture congestion and looking at the other big leagues like germany's 18 but then there's a lot less professional teams we used to have 24 in the top league although 22 22 we dropped we did one year relegated four brought up two palace with a fourth team (laughs) not bitter uh that was in 94 95 um yeah i just don't think it's it's just doesn't feel right it's taking away a couple of seats at the top table Mm -hmm. it it doesn't it, it doesn't make anything like the no, no, not for me. No, and I know we'll suffer. I know we'll suffer. I know we'll get embarrassed and lose to a team that finished fifth in the championship and then get relegated. <laughs> I don't want it. It's inevitable. I don't need it. Yeah, it's funny that like um, the teams, the presumably the big nine or the big six plus the three that have been in there the longest, which will rotate. Um, currently, it's Southampton, Everton and West Ham. Which is hilarious because two out of three of those are genuine contenders every year for relegation. Right, so that's what I'm saying. West Ham voted against it despite being included in the big nine. Because they know if they get relegated, they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. So to me, the, the clubs that should like most obviously be against this are your second bottom half of the Premier League could get dragged into a relegation scrap if they're not careful teams. Mm. Because now it's it's much, much easier to end up in 16th than it is in 18th. And I know that sounds obvious slash really it's only two extra teams like that is that that big of a deal but like it's always super tight from 13th to 6th yeah. to 17th like 
one goal difference could be the thing between keeping you up in 15th and keeping you down. So, like, that seems obvious to me that you guys and other teams in the sort of 11 to 20 range would be against it. Um, we should talk about the, like, structural, the, the, the power grab, the thing that most people, at least, mm. seem to be up in arms about. Um, this is coming from United and Liverpool, so obviously they're going to have a mentality of, like, we are bigger than everyone else, we matter mm. more than everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, conflicting reports that Chelsea were also involved in the planning of this. Some people say they were, some people say they started off and then they backed off when they realized where it was headed. I don't know. So the, sorry, I should say explicitly, the plan is to then change the structure through which new laws get passed in the Premier League, mm. which currently requires a two-thirds majority. 14 clubs. 14, 14 out of 20. Exactly. Um, that would change to only nine clubs being able to unilaterally make decisions. Nine right? Nine clubs would have a vote, and you would need six for a majority. And obviously there are six that are permanently in that group, and that is... Tottenham, Arsenal, why? Don't know. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, United, and City. Yeah. Right, so like basically the power grab, the thing that everyone's mad about is that the big six, the financially big six, if not quite for Arsenal and Tottenham in terms of their performances of the last couple of years, mm -hmm. the six financially biggest clubs would be able to sort of make decisions for everyone else, essentially. Yeah, including stuff like vetoing ownership and like quite big changes some really big things which is, absolutely yeah and then just like putting in Southampton Everton and West Ham with them just to try and gain some uh, some friends for the vote because obviously to yeah. pass any of this in now you need to have a 14 team vote they need to have 14 you need yeah. to have 14 like and like you said there is no way that eight out of the remaining 14 teams all of which like would have the potential for a relegation given given like yeah, a few 100%. things that like could go wrong or a few changes here would willingly go you know what i quite like to cut myself out of any decision making or any you know what i mean yeah this is probably all a huge moot point because the reaction to this has been so violent but I also think that there is urgency to it because, like, if these lower league clubs don't get this 250 million, like, fucking yesterday, like Darren McAnthony was saying, like, this needs to happen now. That's what they're trying to play off. That it's like, well, you need to have, you know, there's there's always a little bit of give. Like, it's a two-sided thing. Like, if we're going to give you this, like, this is what we want. Right. Because giving up to 25% of future revenue is a huge fucking give up for the Premier League clubs. It's big, but that depends. it depends essentially exactly where the revenue is coming from, right? Yeah. And the argument coming out of the Man United and Liverpool kind of side is that, well, no one else has come up with an idea yet. It's kind of like, right. well, well, you have. You have. Like, there, there are plenty of ideas, but it's just, you can't just put together one ridiculous one and go, ah, oh, look at look at all these other 18 clubs. Oh, they don't want to give you guys money. Like, oh, look how evil they are. Like, it's, it's literally this horrific, endemic way of dealing with any sort of issue in politics and and whatever is in this fucked up world at the minute that it's just like you know what we're just gonna be absolute cunts. and then when someone else is kind of a bit less we're gonna go like look how big those cunts are look at we want to what we want to do with you but all we're gonna take is this like little little bit yeah, little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah like yeah. you don't you don't even really need it guys you don't comprehend it and then all of a sudden that's what the fucking keys to the kingdom are right so okay so that's a perfect way to sort of start to wrap up this conversation because we've been going for quite a while for rapid fire news um, this is being seen as a sort of poison chalice, right? And mm. so we should try to at least for ourselves. I know where I stand. I don't fucking care about the lower leagues. I think that like when I give my money to watch the Premier League and to pay for my subscription and shit, I'm not doing it to watch Burnley. I'm doing it to watch Chelsea. I'm doing it to watch Man United. So mm. like, yeah, my money is going for those six clubs. And that's pretty much everyone else in the world except for England. So like, it's very obvious where I stand on this. I'm not going to get into that because I think most of our listeners are on the other side of it. Hmm. So I guess my question to you is, would you rather these lower clubs go into crisis, potentially losing five, six, seven of them in December until some other better solution gets found that will then obviously delay all of the money that which they need? Like I said, right now it's like super urgent according to them. There's still the potential for a bailout or a loan or something because I, I have heard something that the government could potentially loan the money to the EFL and then the Premier League could pay the interest effectively on the payments. So that's how the yeah. Premier League helps out. The government helps out and the Premier League helps out because obviously it's a huge source of revenue, uh, employment, everything for for the UK in, in general. Like it, it's, it's massive. But I think it's – I don't think – 
we're anywhere near at the juncture that like those two things are the options right now. I don't think yeah. we have to give away everything and I don't think that everything will be lost at the same time. You gotta feel bad potentially. Like if you're a Berry or a Macclesfield or whoever fan, you're just like, Well, hang on, if you're now gonna start talking about bailouts and giving a load of money, shouldn't we surely get it representative of where we were before? You know, should Berry get whatever it was, League One, League Two percentage payout? Of the money yeah. because it's just it just so happened that because of time or because of circumstance we got it. There's no difference to a poor run corrupt club before Corona and a poor run corrupt club during Corona. It's just a virus right. came in that, that did these things. But I, I think two two final points for me on this is a exactly the same as we said earlier with the fourteen ninety five ahead. I think it's just you throw it in there to then negotiate down from. If you get yeah. if the big six get this power, then happy fucking days for them. If they don't, they'll find another way to get it or they'll just bugger off and form a European Super League. It'll just happen. And two, I can't remember what the second thing was. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if I had to summarize mine in one sentence to sort of wrap up also, then I would say that like those six clubs are the ones that people around the world are paying for. The lower clubs aren't going to get this fucking money for free. Like, there has to be a compromise. And so that seems to be where the big six clubs are going to be the ones. There has to be, but the compromise isn't that the Premier League suffers and therefore. But anyway, that's enough about the, that shit. All right. So let's move on then to a bit of a stats dive. Uh, you put together a very nice spreadsheet for us. And then I kind of clicked around and made things yellow and blue to make it look like I did any work. But... I put numbers you made pretty and functional. Exactly, yeah. And so one of the things that we're looking at, we wanted to look at rather, um, is the insane number of goals that have been scored. There's been a lot of talk about it. It's crazy how much we're scoring. There's so many penalties, blah, 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 blah. We wanted to sit down and actually dig up the numbers and compare it to like how out of the ordinary is this? Hmm. And is this coming from lockdown? Is this coming from just pure randomness? Like what is sort of going on here? Um, so I'll just throw out a couple of numbers to you about the per game num averages uh, of the Premier League last season as a whole during just Project Restart, so we can kind of see the effect of taking the crowds away, and then also this season so far, again, sort of continuing with that, like, what happens when you take the crowds away, but then also other sort of factors. Um, in 2019-20, the Premier League saw an average of 2.72 goals per game. And an XG of 2.85. So pretty much spot on. Slightly underperforming XG over the course of the season. Not that uncommon. Looking specifically at the lockdown, that goals per game went from 2.72 to 2.72. So huh. teams were scoring at the exact same rate. Consistency. As the whole season. Yep. Uh, XG did drop a little bit to 2.6, which is a decrease of 8%. That's surprising to me. If you had asked me, like, are teams scoring more during lockdown, during Project Restart, because of the lack of crowds, I would have been like, yeah, absolutely. There's no home advantage. There's a lot of away goals. Hmm. Like, all this stuff was happening. Turns out it was an 8% decrease in XG and a 0% change in actual Difficult, goals. Difficult there, though, because obviously there's a... Naturally, towards the end of the season anyway, a lot of teams tighten up like they do. True. Okay. Uh, and Fair. obviously, we there was that thing that Liverpool had the league wrapped up, so did nothing. Like, they weren't really trying, etc. So, I wonder if that's kind of what contributes to it, is that after the lockdown and, and coming back in and kind of being a bit tentative about restarting, maybe. I mean, it's like, it's, it's 8%, but you know what I mean? It's not a huge... In terms of if you looked at the XG, like, you'd still round it up to three, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's still about the same. And I looked at other leagues, or we pulled up data from other leagues as well, comparing 1920 to just the lockdown for the Bundesliga. They lost 3% in goals and 4% in XG. Uh, La Liga lost 6% in goals and 9% in XG. So it seems like that was pretty consistent across the three biggest leagues. Mm -hmm. um, and then you come to the Premier League this season so far. <laughs> and on a per-game basis, because obviously that's easier to sort of compare last season again 2.72 goals per game in the season so far in the first four game weeks uh it is 3.79 <laughs> goals for an increase of 40 percent and xg also did jump it didn't jump as insanely it jumped up five percent from last season from 2.85 to 2.99 so the xg hasn't changed radically um but the actual goals scored has gone up so what the fuck, Chuck? <laughs> what? what? 
I mean, we've all seen it, like the chaos and, and these ridiculous scorelines. And there, there was the week where, you know, it broke the record um, for number of goals in a week that had been set for God knows how many years. Um, oh, no, I think it was a Premier League record. And now it's just like there's a day in 1960 something like Boxing Day where there was like 70 goals scored on that that week. Or something yeah. ridiculous. There was like a couple of eight ones, there's like a seven three, a five five, um, then there's like one one nil or something stupid. Um it helps Liverpool uh forgetting how to defend helps. Uh <laughs> conceding seven goals to the mighty mighty Aston Villa. Um which yep, I, I, Liverpool are underperforming their XGA by five and a half goals this early in the season. Yeah. Like, they've conceded 11, should be 5.5. Elite-level defense is no there. Um, and it's 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 funny, because I said before about, um, you know, potentially the end of the season being a bit, uh, a bit more tight, and traditionally, you know, the start of the season being a bit loose. We always see that, particularly because it's harder to get into a rhythm with defense than it is in attack. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right, because you can you can have a, a let's say a certain move that can unlock a defense, and, and you can get a goal, and you you only need one opportunity. Right, it's it's hard to score a goal, but it's easy to concede one. Yeah, but even if you take the the same kind of small sample size that we do have, granted for this season, which is there's only been four games, uh, four games played. Well, some teams mm-hmm. have played three. This is what's ridiculous, that we are missing some mixtures here. Yeah, we, we should say that all of these numbers are with the biggest grain of salt in the world. It could 100% just be like pure coincidence randomness, or there could be something going on. Four games is like such a small sample size, but it's still like mildly interesting to ask the questions. It, it's still a 40% increase in goals from yeah. Project Restart. So goals so far this season have been 144 uh, off of an XG of 114. Yeah. 30 goal <laughs> overperformance as a collective so far. Which, which is a 40% increase roughly on Project Restart because it was 104 goals per game and yeah. about a 30-odd increase on uh, the start of last season, which was 113 goals in that time. Yeah, so any, the four game spans early on with, you know, you're, you're talking about your rusty defenses and stuff was 113 and 104 and now all of a sudden we have 144 yeah and it's great it's like fucking crazy it's fucking great i think it's the combination i do think that there is an element of the crowds not being there i think it's not getting people on uh, on their back you know defense not feeling Uh, like i think it's hard to say that given that all the other comparisons are or most of the other comparisons for the big three leagues are decreases including this season in spain has gone down compared to last season 11 percent both goals and xg Bundesliga compared to last season, zero percent change in XG, small increase, six percent in goals. So that did go up a little but bit. But some Bundesliga games do have fan. That's true. That is true. Sorry, right. I'm not saying that's necessarily enough to do it. But like, I'm enjoying it, man. I, I I like it. I've said it so many times. The chaos. The chaos. So, but do you have any like take on it, or is it just chaos? Is it just pure coincidence, pure randomness, noise in the data? But we happen to be living in a wonderful time where that noise is all converging at once into making very exciting four weeks of football? Or is there like something deeper happening, do you think? Have we willed Burnley of the Week into existence in a way that we did not imagine before? Maybe. Is for a third season celebrating teams going over and above the call of duty in XG, you know, does that then pass on into the world? Let's hope. You know... Who who can tell what the butterfly effect is? Like, is it three wankers recording a podcast? Is the butterfly flapping its wings? And is football that everyone's loving because it's mental? You know, is that the typhoon in the Pacific? Yeah. So we I can so we can agree that Ian is going to be called the butterfly from now on. Ian is the butterfly. Yes. Okay. Great. Excellent. I do have one number that sort of jumped out to me, and another thing that we have mentioned that people have mentioned. Um, in terms of like going part of the way to showing where some of these extra goals are coming from. And that is the fact that there have been 25 penalties awarded so far in four game weeks. <laughs> um, and I ran the numbers for last season. And so for last season, you would have seen 9.4. You know, obviously you would round down to nine there. But like 9.4, if you're going on a per game basis, should have been awarded as of this many games having been played. And if you look at the average for the last five seasons, it's 9.7. So it's it's... You know, between 9 and 10 penalties normally would have been awarded. We are at 25 
So 15 okay. extra penalties? Okay, so that accounts for like 15 of the 40 goal increase. <laughs> yeah, but do you think, exactly. Well, do you think then there's the, the other side to that then is because now everyone's so scared of giving away penalties that defenders aren't getting close to players because they feel that if they just get the ball blasted at their arm, they... You know what I mean? Like, do you think that? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Like those two things can also exist at the same time. There actually could. There definitely could be causality there. Like, it one hundred percent could be the case that because of the increase in penalties, now defenders are defending differently, mm. so as to prevent penalties, but therefore accidentally giving up more goals. Hmm. Um, and then you get Palace coming in against Chelsea, and just like, now we're gonna do it the old-fashioned way and just kick people. it's like we're not getting done for any more handball penalties thank you very much we'll do it with kicking the way it was meant to be (laughs) (laughs) so it's fun like it is fun and and the penalty thing is kind of a chaos thing but what about like uh, you know we can talk about it in as as an overall overview um but what about like some specifics on teams uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And kind of those kind of things that just to give to see, even though overall the picture is this craziness, who is actually who are the ones that are overperforming, who's doing well and are supposed to be, and who is just Fulham. So Liverpool have the most underperformed their goals against. They've had eleven goals against, five point five xGA, um, but they're only they're within one of their actual goals and uh, half a point away from their actual point. So. Despite the XGA being so radically different, their expected points and their goals uh, goals for pretty much exactly line up. Um, if we're looking at points, the team that has most overperformed is, guess who? Mighty, mighty Aston Villa. <laughs> yep. And then Arsenal are the team that has most overperformed well, that's behind the, them. That's just what they do. Like, they overperform. You know, this has been the running theme for so many years, Adam, um, that that they just do. They They... They somehow shithouse their wins. They are the Burnley of the world. Yeah, and that somehow is very much named Pierre Mkubamiang. <laughs> <laughs> maybe drying up and maybe yeah. not. We'll, well see. Lacazette, Lacazette more this year. Like, Aubameyang's uh, not really done much, but Lacazette's just like, still like, hey, remember me? I should play. Oh, I'm going into the final year of my contract. Okay. Yeah, he loves, people love a final year of their contract over performance. <laughs> Um, in ter- on the other side of it, we have Fulham, Brickton, and Sheffield United most underperforming. Um, <laughs> Brickton especially have generated 6.9 expected points, only have three. And that is coming from a wild, wild underperformance in their goals against having conceded 10 and only conceded 5.7 XG. So they are wildly fucked in their goals against. Uh, Fulham just suck. And Sheffield, <laughs> Sheffield are confusing. What's going on with Sheffield? Because they should have a win and a draw according to expected points, and they have zero so far. Well, they didn't score a goal for three games. That'll do it. And then, like in the fourth game, they did score one, but still lost. Oh, okay. Uh, oh yeah. Well, Sheffield. Yeah, Sheffield scored uh, against Arsenal in the last game. Naturally. Naturally. Because um, you know it would be Arsenal, and so that that's obviously going to skew things a little bit for them. Um, worrying that. So obviously XG wise they're underperforming as well. Naturally, you know, like I said, they've scored one goal, expected to score three point five. Um mm-hmm. they their lack of upfront talent has not been a secret, really. Um, no, generating three point five is very bad. No, and obviously they have paid uh, fairly big money for a club of their size for Rian Brewster. Um and he'll take some time to bed in and, and see what happens there. Like it's a big punt. Like, I know Palace were in for him, so it's easy for me to say, you know, uh, to maybe sound bitter or anything like that. But I don't, I don't you really. Never. Don't, never. Um, never. Uh, I don't necessarily feel that way. But it is. Like, when you don't, when you don't have anything. When, you, when you're taking a punt following a very good first season, you need to build up that squad. Like, buying a player that has played 20 professional games in the lower division and scored 10 goals like while that is a good game goals per game ratio it is that's still a big punt for whatever it is he went for 23 25 million maybe even more um with Liverpool having a buyback clause in 3 years for 40 million so like if he, if he, if he can hit the ground running and then do something good there like he's an incredibly talented prospect and and will be very good for them but it's yeah it's just a bit worrying but I think a lot of people did predict a bit of a drop off um this year 
But yeah, Sheffield Sheffield United, no no many looking good. They've conceded no. six six off four point five as well, so it's like they should have conceded those goals and they'd still be negative at the minute. Um yeah, I mean even if you sort by expected points, like they're decidedly bottom half right above Crystal Palace. <laughs> Unexpected points. Yeah, unexpected points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but we break, we break all the models, don't we, mate? We're elite level. Um, we scored five goals in uh, four games, mate. That's unheard of. Unheard of. That is uh, more than usual. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really yeah. is unheard of. By the time we've been recording this fucking podcast, God, I picked the wrong time to start. Haven't beaten, yeah. haven't beaten Chelsea since we started recording, and have scored about twenty goals. I mean. It's been fun. Yeah, <laughs> sure it has. Uh, one other thing that jumps out to me just looking at these numbers um, is Manchester United, who are not notable for over or underperforming particularly, but much more so for being fucking terrible, which is weird. Like, it's they're not, like, just bad in terms of points. Like, they're on three points. Their expected points are 1.4. <laughs> 1.4. Like, they are second to last on expected points. I've got this information in front of me, and it still was hilariously surprising when you told me that. Like, 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 almost like I needed someone else to say it just to ratify it in my brain. Like, it is true. Like, Man United have 1.4 expected points. Fulham, Fulham, everyone saying worst team in the league, Fulham, Fulham, 3.27. Yeah, and the best part of this, best for us, <laughs> worst if you're a Man United fan, is that their their schedule has been terribly easy. Like, mm-hmm. they cannot look at it and be like, oh, we had hard fixtures, well, blah, blah, blah. Well, they played Palace, no yeah, offense. Well, exactly, um, exactly. Brickton, and then, who was the third team? Tottenham. Okay, Tottenham are, are decent, actually. Especially this season so far, Tottenham are actually... Yeah, but, I mean, they got they got done by Tottenham. I don't think like we give, we give we give Jeff a lot of shit. Like let's still you know, <laughs> it may have been a week and a half now, but let's still keep beating that that drum. That um, yeah, Tottenham won six one. Boop. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Um, but United are second worst on points, fifth worst below Wolves, and just slightly above Fulham on XG, and second worst on XGA. Just above Man United, like just above West Brom, they are they are Man United. They're not so bad that they've uh, divided by mitosis and formed a slightly worse. <laughs> what did I say? You said they are just above Man United, like I don't oh, know. Oh, they're just above West Brom. Yeah, just above West yeah. Brom for goals conceded. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's no. Um, Is Cavani going to save them? Is this deadline day deal going to be the thing that puts them over the top? Like. The Cavani thing for me is something that can be both a good deal and bad business. Okay. Like, he's... Explain. So, they could have got him in weeks ago, because he's been a free agent, and they thought about it and did. They want to build for the future, but bringing in a 30-something plus, 32, 33, even a guy in in as good nick as he is, like, it's not a sustainable thing for the future. No, and he got, like, no minutes last year. His, like, his minutes played dropped off a fucking cliff. I don't know that they brought him in as, like, a starter, as much as coverage for when those guys are out with corona or injured or whatever the case is going to be, right? Um, But if you look at his minutes for the last three, four, four seasons, it has gone down by increasingly big increasingly large amounts every year. So in 16-17 he played 2965 minutes, which is what a player gets when they play pretty much every match. Um the season after that he got 2600. Then in 2018-19 that dropped to 1600 and then last season 600 minutes. Yeah, that's that's a big Like drop that's off. no good. So no. if they brought him in as like depth Fine. Although they need him right now, and he's still isolating. I just don't think. I, I, I think it's the classic thing with United is that it's it's the stuff at the top. You know, it's like once you get down, once you get down to the nitty gritty, it's 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 easy to come in. And again, I'm sorry, but I but I'm gonna put Lampard in with it. Like when you're sure. in, when you're in a bad situation, it's very easy just to go right. Let's just. 
Let's just create good vibes. Let's be happy. Let's let's see how far that gets us for now while we make up a plan. And you can. You can get get by. And, and you you know, it's like the new manager bounce. You always see that, pretty much. Unless it's like mm-hmm. Frank de Boer, um, which, you know, it's just sort of flat lines. Um, but then eventually you're like, well, as a player, especially you're like, no, I want to know like what I'm doing now, like what I need to do. What what is this team going to be? What do you want this team to be? And and what are my exact like what is my tactical role, etc. And if you're not getting them provided with that, it then becomes a bit like, well, what am I doing? What are we doing? Do we just try and do our own thing? Are we then seen as snakes for going against the manager? Mm-hmm. Do we want this guy here? Do we want to get rid of him? Like it it causes a lot of problems. And I think that that maybe that's what it is that you had that little bit of a bump from Oli. When he first came in, he then had the first season, which had no real pre- like the first full season, which had no real pressure. And then he did. It's weird as well, though, because they did do well out of Project Restart. Like they really did. But yeah, they did as, as a microcosm, that was then a weird situation for everyone. Right. There were, like I said, there were a lot of teams above that switched off, um, especially like Leicester, Man City just kept fucking. Up. I don't I don't think that Leicester switched off. I hear everybody always saying that. and I don't mean to jump down to your throat about it, but like. They just had injuries. Leicester just were mm. a worse team than they were before lockdown. Yeah. And they played like that. And now this year, with Chilwell, who was injured and now is gone, and similar sort of issues with personnel, I think they just got James Madison back, right? He played like half a match so far, something like yeah, that. Yeah, but they replaced Chilwell with um, Castagna already. And he's like well, proven worth the money. I, I think they're just a worse team. Like they have worse players or they're missing their, their formerly best players. And I think they're just worse now. Sorry, that's just my that's my two cents on Leicester because okay. people are always like, "Oh, Leicester!" I'm like, "No, Leicester are just our Leicester." Like that's just who Leicester are. <laughs> but no, I just I just think it's potentially is this now the catch it up and and is it a they aren't going to spend all this money on players because they don't know what direction the club's going to go in or who's going to be in charge and are they actively looking at other people? Did did Oli always know that it was a stewardship role? You know what I mean? Yeah. They say, look, we're going to give you a few years, but ultimately, mate, we don't... Like, there's no... Zero track record. Basically. Yeah, I think United were just too busy looking at the big picture. <laughs> very, very to get their transfers good. done this summer. Mm. But yeah, and then didn't. And they just didn't. They were just... I think they really genuinely thought that, like, Sancho, the price on Sancho was just going to come down if they held out. <laughs> and then it just never came down. And they were like, wait, what? Yeah, I did like the analogy that it was like Man United were, were playing a game of poker with someone who wasn't even sat at the table. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was like they were trying to play all these mind games or whatever, and Dortmund are just like, uh, "What are you on about?" Like, <laughs> we're not selling him. <laughs> yeah, we're not selling him. Like he plays, he plays for us. Like we're not trying to get more money out of you. Yeah, if you want to pay, I don't know, one hundred and twenty million. Sure, there you go, and then, and then that's it. Just walk off, done. If you don't want to pay the yeah, price tag, exactly. happy days gone. Man United, you don't, you don't have that pull anymore. So then it becomes, let's say, if we get to fifteen years since Man United won a title. You're like, well, you took the piss out of Liverpool, like for thirty, and you're you're halfway there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's not a huge, it's not a huge chunk of time in the grand scheme of things. So, but yeah, Man United are bad, bad, many bad. Yep. Um, and we'll leave that there. That was fun. Um, fixtures. Football is back. Ah, proper football. Yay! Oh, they've put little logos on there for the BT box office and Sky Sports box office. Uh. Are you looking at the FPL one? Ours says Peacock on certain ones, and that's when I know to be annoyed. Oh, they've changed where the Palace game was. Ah, Palace Brighton was on Saturday before. That's a load of bollocks. Now it's a Sunday match, and it's on Peacock in the US for American listeners. And now I can't watch it. Fuck's sake. (sighs) Well, anyway, Saturday... Saturday, we start off with the friendly derby. Uh, Everton, top of the table, Everton versus, I mean, concede a million goals to Aston Villa, Liverpool. So this could be the most fun friendly derby we've seen. Um, yeah. If Liverpool lose that, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love that as the only person who thinks that Chelsea are going to be in the title race. Seeing Liverpool drop points would be delightful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Good one, mate. Um, then we follow up. Uh, we're still doing back-to-back fixtures. Great. With uh, Chelsea Southampton, which is on BT Sports box office. 1495. 14.95. 14.95. Might be worth the price of admission this time because we are seeing Pulisic back. Ziyech is on the bench probably. And Mendy, who looked like it was injured, is not actually injured. So he'll still be around. 
And we have, I believe, other than like Billy Gilmore and some more minor injuries, this is going to be the first time that we are saying a full-strength Chelsea squad, if no one got coronavirus. <laughs> Caveat. So, Ings hat-trick. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Then we have Man City-Arsenal, uh, the Pep Arteta derby. Then, on Sky Sports box office, 14, 1495, Newcastle versus Man United. <laughs> <laughs> they have nailed this. And then, on Sunday, the opening fixture on BT Sport box office, 1495, guys. Sheffield United versus Fulham. That's what the big is one. happening? What is happening? Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, no one's going to buy these I matches know. anyway. These are all the crap matches. Like, the game, they all won. Ah, oh, God, I hope we don't lose. Crystal Palace, Brighton at uh, 2 o'clock on Sunday, followed up by Spurs-West Ham, uh, which could be an interesting game. West Ham been in good form the last couple of games. Yeah, their um, front three look really good. Mm, Genuinely good. Mikel Antonio. And then uh, Leicester-Aston Villa is the last game, which fourteen ninety five. I know I'm beating the job on this. And did you earlier joke... Saying as an example, Burnley West Brom as paying fourteen ninety five uh, because I did know that that was coming up for that the weekend. So fourteen ninety five. It is yay. West Brom versus <laughs> Burnley, fifteen English pounds. Yeah, I just picked the ugliest looking fixture in the upcoming round and was like, if you imagine paying fifteen bucks for that, yeah. someone will. There will be someone on Monday paying fifteen pounds. Jesus Christ! For West they Brom need Burnley. to. They need to be investigated. Those people. Fuck me. Just give that to charity, you guys. Just give it to charity. <laughs> Just give it to charity. Help Dr. Marcus Rashford feed the kids. Don't watch West Brom Burnley. No, don't know. Throw it in a bin. Set it on fire. Anything. Anything. <laughs> Anything. Fuck me. Oh, and then we finish the week with Leeds versus Wolves. That could be a good one. Mm, that could be. As long as Wolves... Wolves a bit of a dip. Not fun. And Wolves might have no one to play. Yeah. yeah. Like... This is the problem as well when uh, all of your players are from one nation that they're in, you know, there's a, there's a big chance of infection. Like if one country goes down, that's it, game over. Uh, no good. So outside Palace, what match are you sort of looking at or what's something that's sort of piquing your interest for this upcoming oh, weekend? Oh boy. I mean, it's... Hmm. Obviously Everton-Liverpool is going to be interesting, but beyond that... Uh, I want to see if Villa, Villa's a flash in the pan or not. I want to see. Okay. I want to see what happens, especially you know, as you were smack talking Leicester. They haven't. They, Leicester haven't been good the last couple of games. Um, no. After they started well, it's like really fucking terrible. Jamie Vardy, I think, has taken one shot non penalty. Yeah, like, so that's that's a big chance for Villa to kind of double down on what they did last week. Like I said, like I think genuinely as a fan, if you look at that game and you see you put seven past Liverpool, it's like. It's a bit shit that I didn't get more than three, but you know what I mean. Like, it's the same. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Ross Barkley hat-trick coming in. And when those are the games that you win and then you lose the easier games, it kind of takes the sheen off of it. And I, so I know what that's like as a fan, so I don't want Villa fans to, to have that issue. So Jack Grealish, he had a bit of a run for England. Uh, Gareth Southgate seems to only talk about Mason Mount when Grealish is brought up, but <laughs> it is what that it is. Uh, yeah. What a load of shit. And uh, that wraps us up. So thank you very, very much for listening. Um, I hope you've stuck through all that data heavy. Well, it wasn't that much data. We mostly just talked about big, big Project Red or Red, yeah. Red Dead Redemption. Project Big Red. Red Dead Redemption. Oh my God, that's the name. That should be what it's called. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption is the episode title. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you. And Ian, we wish you all the best and hope everything is well. Take care. Love one another. Bye-bye. <laughs>